0: You're listening to Faith at Work, now to our host, Carl Grant. Welcome to Faith at Work, I'm Carl Grant, and today's podcast will feature the 2007 high-tech prayer breakfast in the D.C. metro area where Patrick Arnone was the speaker. So the number, 1,168,000, what does that mean to you? To me, it means the approximate number of decisions or choices that you'll make in your life. That assumes you'll make, on average, about 40 decisions a day, and you'll live to about 80 years of age. And, of course, many of those decisions are small, trivial ones. Some are moderate in size. Some are big decisions. You're going to hear about a number of my decisions and choices this morning, Um, some good, mostly bad. And then you're going to hear about the fact that at the age of 45, I finally made the two most important decisions in my life, the first being to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and the second – was to start living my life as God wanted me to and intended me to. So my life started here in Washington, D.C. I'm a native, born in the city of Washington, lived in a city for the first nine years, grew up um, in Maryland, teenage years, early 20s. I've now been in northern Virginia for the last 35 years or so. Raised in an Italian Catholic family. And my dad and mom were good parents. They were great providers, and they loved me. And I grew up in what I consider to be a very normal environment. Um, there was no, um, no obvious issues in my family relative to uh, uh, drug abuse or alcohol abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse. That just didn't, just didn't exist. And I also remember having a lot of fun as a child, as all of us did. It was just a very pleasant time in my life. But I recall also my dad just never doing much of anything with me in terms of playing with me or you know, playing ball or doing anything just him and i and you know we never really went and did anything together unless of course it was a family event and um but i didn't consider that unusual because you know that was the case with all of my friends that when i was growing up i went to catholic school for eight years and did all the right things went to church every sunday and confession and the sacraments and um but i had no spiritual connection to God, and that that was me that wasn 't the church that was me and I, I realized that I was basically spiritually dead, but that didn 't seem to bother me and in fact, each and every one of us are born spiritually dead and I had learned through that early those early years um, of the fact that um, i 'd learned the fear of God, but I never understood or really um, learned the love of God and but I also understood the difference between heaven and hell. That left an impression on me. I started acting out at a very young age and certainly in my teenage years. I left my parents' house at the age of 19, wandered from the Catholic church. Um, I'd go back Christmas and Easter and you know, weddings and funerals, but I really wasn't uh, a church goer any longer. That was my decision. And I had believed at that point in my life that whatever had happened prior was in the past and kind of a closed thing, kind of like leaving this room as my past going through that door and whatever is on the other side of that door was my future and that, that the two were, were never connected and that was just my my line of thinking. At the age of 21 I'm married, I have a son, a house in the country, two dogs and a station wagon. And like 21 and I've got a station wagon and all this other responsibility considering my first car was a 57 Chevy which I poured a lot of money into and customized but um, that's where I was and But I was also continuing to act out uh, in a lot of ways, Uh, certainly with a lot of anger, a lot of control, uh, chasing women, uh, and a lot of other poor behavior. That marriage ended after five years at the birth of my second child, my second son. I also had a very negative experience with uh, marriage counselors, which my wife and I had uh, visited uh, to try to save our marriage. And just long story short, it was just um, my attitude was I was there to fix her. And not me. I didn't have any issues. I didn't have any problem. I'd be willing to go reluctantly to a counselor or to a psychologist, whatever. And But it just didn't work because I wasn't uh, interested or willing to, um, to engage in that process. I continued to focus on my career exclusively. Uh, my career was everything. I was driven uh, to achieve more and more. My career was my first priority, being goal-oriented, results-oriented, just chasing after the good things, if you will, that I wanted out of my life and and, and life. My family and friends were second-tier priorities at best. God was not on the radar screen at all. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I was trying to fill a void that I didn't even know existed. And I was trying to fill it with basically anything and everything. In 77, I married Terry. Some of you know her as Terry Kelly. She had her own company for 10 years, Terry Kelly Associates. She worked as a government sales consultant. She sold – I'm sorry, she didn't sell. Yes, she did, but uh, the point was is that um, she conducted classes and workshops to technology companies to sell their products and services to the federal government. And so by the early 80s, Terry and I uh, thought we had it all. We, uh, Our family thought we had it all. But what we had was what we – came to learn and understood was a great storefront image. Everything on the outside looked great and wonderful. Everything on the inside was a mess, a chaos. Um, but I continued to be driven by success, recognition, and accomplishments. And I also believed, although I didn't verbalize it, uh, at least I don't recall verbalizing it, but I believed that I was a self-made man, uh, a self-made man that worshipped his creator, myself. That's where I was, folks. In 82, I'm sitting up here at a Tyson's office at a technology firm, and I get a call from my um, sister telling me my dad had just had a major heart attack and get to the hospital right away. So I'm driving from uh, Tyson's to Silver Spring, Maryland, setting a land speed record to get there, and this uncontrollable emotion comes over me. I start crying uncontrollably. And you have to understand something about Patrick Arnone at that point in my life. I, I don't think I had cried since I was a baby. I didn't show emotion uh, other than anger and rage. I was very good at that, but certainly not crying and not a tear. But this uncontrollable emotion and, and uncontrollable uh, crying had come over me to the extent that I thought I, I need to pull over and I because I can't even see I'm crying so hard. But, of course, I wanted to get to the hospital. So I get to the hospital. I'm there with my family, and a short while later, the doctor comes out and tells us that uh, my dad had passed and so um, after a while we gathered ourselves together and um, we left and I'm the only son, I've got two sisters. So I uh, um, put my arm around my mom and take her out to take her home and uh, all of a sudden that same emotion comes upon me as I'm walking my mom out of the hospital to the car. and. I I just started crying so uncontrollably. And she knew that was so uncharacteristic for me. And she asked, what was wrong? What's wrong, Patrick? And I said, Mom, I said, Dad's gone. And I never told him I loved him. And it was just an unbelievable uh, feeling I had. I was just crushed, not only because I had lost my dad, but I had never verbalized the fact that I loved him. And my mother immediately said don't don't worry, just he, kn- he knew that you loved him what i didn 't tell my mom at that moment was that he never told me he loved me and um, and yet the love was there, it just was never spoken and i 'm sure that that might resonate with some of you, but that was just the relationship that I had or did not have with my dad, but it crushed me, and that period of time was one of the most difficult times of my life because I'm not only grieving the sudden unexpected loss of my father, but I'm starting, although I didn't realize until later, that I'm now grieving the loss of a relationship with him that I never had and I never would have. And and I didn't know God at this point. I I had no relationship with God. I don't acknowledge God. Don't go to church, any of that. But God started to do something in my life that I wouldn't come to understand and appreciate for years later he started to soften my heart. And because and the scripture speaks to exactly this issue, Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And God has been doing that to me over the last many decades. And God has a sense of humor so I can joke with him. And I say, Lord, uh, you've gone too far. You know, it's a little too soft now. I'm crying at all the commercials and everything else. It's- Let's turn it down. Uh, I think I cry more than Terry does, but um, but anyway, that's, that was something that, as I said, I didn't grow to appreciate until years and years later, that the day that my father passed, that emotion and what God started to do in my heart, because I did have a heart of stone. I mean, it was hard as a rock. A couple years later, I am struggling with a major addiction to cocaine and Um, I was home alone Terry was out running errands and I had overdone it uh, for the couple days and that day in particular I was just really um, packing it in if you will and All of a sudden my heart starts pounding and racing and I thought that it was going to jump through my body And I got scared. I thought I was going to die. I mean I got so frightened at that moment I just I cried out to God, the same God that I don't know, I don't acknowledge, I don't have a relationship with, nothing. But I thought, my back is to the wall. I'm going to die here. I need to do something. So I cried out to him to save me, not let me die. At that moment in time, something came over me, and that something was him, I know, now, but I didn't at the time. And what I did was I took the remaining cocaine I had, a couple thousand dollars, flushed it in the toilet, and Terry came home uh, uh, just about as that was happening, realized what was going on, insisted on call, calling 911. I was adamant that, you know, I don't want anybody involved. I don't want anybody to know about this. I don't want owner my record. I don't want my coworkers to know, my employers, whatever. Like, uh, who am I fooling? They probably all knew anyway. But I think it's kind of ironic that, you know, I was so insistent that no one know this, and here I am telling 700 and some people today. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's, that's God, too. So... But I was so out of it, and I I truly was. It was a near-death experience that I had uh, on that overdose. And Terry had told me that I had just collapsed, and I literally slept for a couple days. And when I woke up, I had no withdrawal symptoms. I had no physical, psychological, or emotional withdrawal symptoms whatsoever from that cocaine. I had no desire for it. I didn't think about it. That, to me, is an instant healing miracle that God had given me. Because God had a plan for my life at that point. I didn't know that because, again, I don't know God. But he had a plan for me, and this scripture speaks to that plan. Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven to 14. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future, that you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. He did have a plan for me. He did intervene in my life. You know, and some people think that God just isn't alive, God doesn't know, that God doesn't care about me, and I'm not worthy. I mean, that's a bunch of rubbish. It really is, because that's what I believed, okay? I'm not disparaging you if you believe that today, but that's where I was in my life. But He came into my life, He saved me. I, absolutely. I was totally incapable of doing that myself. Totally incapable. A couple of years later in the uh, late 80s, Terry is beginning to search for something. She wasn't sure what that was. She felt she had everything, but felt this incredible emptiness inside of her. And um, there was a couple of women that started to come into her life, one who, um, whose name is Mindy. Mindy was dying of cancer, she married, uh, very young children at home. Um, and Terry was just drawn to this woman, didn't know why she was drawn to this woman. But um, they became dear friends. Terry was with her a lot and taking her to treatments. And, and, and a couple other women started to come into Terry's life. Um, and again, Terry's searching for something. And she had her own issues, as I did, a lot of holes in her heart, if you will, that she didn't understand at that point like I didn't understand mine. But Terry just started searching for something to fill this void that was in her life. And she too grew up Catholic and went to Catholic school and had a similar kind of background as me, although she wasn't out of control like I was. Um, so these women started to talking started to talk with Terry about God and her relationship with God. Well, Mindy was a very strong Christian woman. And Terry was just awed by this woman that she wasn't she had so much joy and peace, although she knew she was dying. She was grieving, in essence, the loss uh, she would have of, of leaving this earth for her with her children and her husband. So anyway, long story short, Terry was continued to be drawn to these women and decided to uh, go back to church, start attending church and, and get back into whatever faith she was going to get back into. And so she started to share that with me. And, you know, we had conversations about it, and I listened, and, and I said, fine, that's great. You know, you do what you want. I respect your decision, but just literally keep it away from me. I have no interest. And that's where I was, folks. I mean, that just locates me. And I, I was concerned at that point, although I truly did respect her decision, but I was concerned that it was going to turn my life upside down because I was a very controlling person, okay? Um, and I also knew that it was going to affect a lot of things on our relationship and marriage. And I'm thinking and we'll probably never make love again. You know, if she goes back to church and, you know, she finds God, it's like, oh my God, what's going to happen? You know, it's like, this is, this is bad. So, but again, that's where I am, okay? Uh, I'm just telling you like it is. And she started to have these friendships, and we'd get invited to functions in uh, people's homes that um, were Christian people, and I came to realize that really quickly. And I just wasn't comfortable around other Christian people, quite frankly. Um, not that they were bad people, I just, I didn't want to be, um, I wasn't comfortable. A couple of years later in 91, Terry discovered I was having an affair and it had not been my first affair. And so needless to say, the uh, relationship and marriage deteriorated dramatically, we separated and uh, one of the Christian couples that Terry met that have been incredible people for us, uh, Matt and Leslie, uh, had suggested this conference called Love is a Choice that I attended here locally. And it was profound for me to go to that conference. And I don't have the time to get into the details of it, but uh, the fir- very first morning uh, attending that conference, there was a visual slide that just, that the floodgates opened up for me. The lights went on for me. I was beginning to understand for the very first time how out of control I was Um, and just, just how all of my bad behavior and all my addictions were affecting so many people and hurting so many people and how much in total denial I was and how I'd been compartmentalizing every aspect of my life for a long time. And at that point in my life, I either had been or still was addicted to literally everything but food. Um, alcohol drugs control women money success anger rage pride criticalness just the top ten I reluctantly decide agree to go into counseling given my prior bad experience and my um, my whole bad negative attitude about counseling I thought maybe this could help the marriage and so this couple Matt and Leslie that I had mentioned um, spent a lot of time with me as did with Terry and um, Uh, I had some specialized issues, so they also sent me out to some other specialists uh, to help me. And I recall one day being in a counseling session with Matt in his office, and he told me, he said, Patrick, one thing you need to do is you need to die for self. Or I'm sorry, die to self. And I said, Matt, what's that mean, die to self? And he explained it to me. And what he simply said was that I, I need to put the needs and desires of other people ahead of my own. It's like... Okay, I understand that. Why would I want to do that? Uh, uh, Really, I mean, again, I'm being located here, okay? I mean, that's where I just, I had no desire to put anyone's needs or desires ahead of my own, including my own wife, quite frankly. And what I didn't know at that point is that, or I was starting to learn at that point was a lot of um, the void that was in my life, a lot of the holes that were in my life. And all of us are products uh, of our environment and upbringing to some degree. And what I was beginning to realize and understand was the the failure on my part to recognize and deal with uh, and heal from issues and damages from my past, how that was going to continue to negatively impact my life. And I was just beginning to understand through a lot of counseling, especially with my dear friend Matt, um, how a relationship with my heavenly father was so paramount to me. Terry found forgiveness from God uh, for what I had done, and uh, we reconciled and came back together. I still felt I was at this crossroads in my life. Um, I mean, I literally remember a day just standing there and just thinking that I- I'm at this crossroads and I can continue down this same road I've been on for however many, 30, 40 years of my life. And it's kind of served me well in some ways, according to the resume it did, but according to the flip side of the resume, it was a disaster. Um, and yet when I looked at that road and I looked back on the journey of that road I'd been on, oh, I saw nothing but damage. I saw nothing but carnage. I saw nothing but a lot of people that i hurt, including my wife and my, uh, my sons and just myself. I mean, it was an ugly, like an incredible wreck, series of accidents back there. Well, the other option was take this other road. And I wasn't comfortable with that either. Because that was a new road, and that meant I had to give up control. And I didn't want to give up control. I wanted to continue to control everything in my life. And that road was different. And although it looked like it had some promise, I just, I mean, you know, so I'm really, I don't want to say tormented, but I was torn between what to do here. But one thing I had noticed about Terry over the last couple of years since she had made the decision to accept Jesus Christ, which I failed to say, which was very important, a couple of years prior to this, uh, she had made that decision. I had seen in Terry over those couple of years after she had accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior, I saw something in her I wanted that I had not had. And I had never seen it in her before, and we'd been together for decades. And that was a peace and a calm and a serenity that she had that I so desperately wanted. Because I had two major heart holes, if you will, in my life at that point. I had no relationship with my earthly father, my dad, and I had no relationship with my heavenly father, God. 1 Timothy 2, five says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and people, the man Christ Jesus. So in 92, in an event similar to this, much smaller scale, I made the decision very privately and very quietly to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. The single most important decision I have ever made made in my life praise god but this alone does not um um bring a life without problems in 94 terry and i were not living as we should have been living we were not living certainly as god tells us in the bible and we continued to do things that neither of us knew about but God, because he knows every detail of our lives and because he cares about every detail of our life and is all-knowing, ever-present, and all-powerful, he started to expose things um, that we were doing. And so more of it came out. And I thought I had reached a pretty dark, deep time in my life uh, in the past, but this took me lower than I had ever been in my life. It was just, and the, the details aren't important, folks. But you've got to trust that it was just um, some uh, really inappropriate things that both of us were doing. But God exposed it. We separated again. We go back into counseling. And we not only went back into counseling with Matt and Leslie again, who had already devoted 8,000 hours with us, it seems like, but also other counselors that we had, um, they had suggested because of all the damage that we had done to one another and all the damage that we had done in our relationship. And I recall a meeting that we were having, a um, counseling session we were having with Matt in his office. Terry and I were there, and it was just ugly. I mean, we Terry and I were yelling at each other, screaming at each other, and just saying incredibly hurtful, horrible things to one another. We just hated each other. We just wanted out of the marriage, and we had caused that ourselves, okay? And Matt was at his wit's end. He just had done everything he knew how to do, and... Um, he just said, uh, he said, it's done. I mean, I don't know what else to do. So he had suggested that we take a break and we come back and decide what the next step should be to basically end the marriage. And so Terry and I go to separate areas uh, outside his office and 15 minutes later we come back in and, uh, oh, God. At that moment in time, God reached out, touched my heart, and turned my heart to terry and god did the same thing with her he reached out touched terry's heart and turned her heart to me i mean it was another instant miracle that we had seen i mean instant reconciliation that we had seen only god could have done what he had done it was so powerful it was so profound we were incapable we had destroyed our marriage but god had intervened because again he had a plan for us and he continues to have a plan for us. He has a plan for every person in this room, even if you don't know him. So we clearly, we had reconciled. Um, not, and, and it took time, and we continued to go through a lot of issues, but God had changed our heart because he, God, did not want that marriage to end. 1 Timothy 1, 14, 16 says, The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. He is trustworthy, saying, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for the very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. In 97, I decided to leave the uh, technology industry, not burned out, just needed to change after hundred quarters of chasing revenue and flying whatever, millions of miles and managing hundreds of people. And I launched the retained search business. I viewed God as my uh, uh, chairman, Jesus as my CEO, and the Holy Spirit as my COO. And if you don't know what a retained search business is, simply um, a client retains us to find a specific kind of an executive VP level up to a C level. And it was difficult for me as a sole proprietor of that firm uh, to balance the two major things I had to do, find business and uh, properly and successfully and rapidly complete the search. So I had done something I never thought I was uh, able or willing to do, and I turned over to God the responsibility for bringing me clients. Not that I didn't have the ability, because I'm kind of an old sales guy, but uh, that was a huge walk of faith in me to say, okay, Lord, it's yours. You bring me the clients. I'm going to trust you to bring me the clients. And I'm going to devote all my time and effort in successfully and rapidly completing the searches. He has done an awesome job. I even joke with him. I said, Lord, slow it down a little bit here. This, uh, But I mean, he's, he's been so faithful. But he, it's just a demonstration of his love and the fact that he does care about every little thing. Um, accepting Jesus Christ as Lord uh, in your life, and um, as God tells us in the Bible, will bring prosperity in all aspects. Prosperity is multidimensional; it's spiritual, it's physical, it's emotional, and financial. But it does not guarantee um, um, a life without problems, as we all know. But belief and trust and faith in God is what gets me through life's challenges. Romans 10:17 uh, says, "So then, faith comes by hearing." And hearing by the word of God the Word of God is the Bible ninety eight I experienced a stroke just sitting there one night just for the sake of time uh, I also experienced another instant healing that stroke could have killed me that stroke could have paralyzed me fully or partially but God came into my life again and restored me as soon as Terry called nine one one she came back prayed for me laid hands on me, and God healed me so Another quick story in 02, an example of God caring about every little detail of your life. We, Terry and I, were searching for a new church, and we had spent about nine months. We had worked with one of our dear friends, Linda, who uh, I believe may be here today, and we had developed some, uh, a list of, of requirements, if you will, for the new church, all based on Scripture. And we'd been searching for nine months for this new church, and sometimes we'd stay a, a Sunday or a couple of weeks, maybe even a month or so, and just didn't feel that's where God wanted to plant us, because we knew God had a specific church for us. Um, we just didn't know where that was. We were on vacation out on the West Coast, and the um, my uh, youngest son, who was in his early 30s at the time, had done some un- unthinkable things. And um, we had to rush home immediately and deal with it and get the police involved, and uh, it was a... Series of things he'd been doing. This was like beyond over the top with what he had done. It just took our breath away. And so we dealt with it and we went to bed Saturday night not knowing if we were going to go to church, what church we were going to go to. So we went to this church the next morning that we had visited only once before called Living Faith in Manassas, Virginia. We live in Great Falls, so this is not around the corner. Um, I had to get a map out to find out where this church was. Like, God, why do you want to put us in Manassas, Virginia? But anyway, <laughs> We go to this church, no one knows us. Our pastor doesn't, the pastor doesn't know us. No one knows what's going on in our life with with my son. And 500 people in the church, were sitting in the congregation, halfway through the service, the pastor comes off the platform, points out to Terry and says, young lady, come up here. Uh, and if that's your husband, bring him with you. So, um, this pastor called us up in the middle of that service and had heard from god to speak to us to encourage us to lift us up and to pray for us he didn't know exactly what we were going through but i I tell you it was (laughs) oh god he is so good and to think that he took the time to interrupt that service just to take terry and i and lift us up and encourage us and we just so thank and praise that pastor that he hears god's voice but god does care About every detail no matter where you are in your life he cares about what church you go to also and it may or may not be the church that you grew up in that's between you and God you've got to hear his voice a couple of years ago Terry and I had um, graduated from the ministry training center at our church and she teaches now in that um, training center and she's very active in our women's ministry I'm active in a number of ministries I uh, I'm in my fifth year of co-leading a Bible study at Oracle which is such a blessing for me I also co lead a, a group at our men 's group at our church on uh, achieving sexual purity, which is another thing God did took me from being a womanizer and and multiple affairs and a pornographer to now um, helping men overcome uh, those same kind of challenges I just did you hear all the things that God has done in my life, and those are just some of them because i 'm out of time but Just the things that he did in my life before I knew him, uh, before I acknowledged him, before I had a relationship with him. Just imagine what he can and will do when you make the two most important decisions in your life. As business people, we all like the bottom line. So the bottom line is, is this message is God is alive. He's a loving and caring God. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you so much and unconditionally, he gives you free will to make that choice of accepting him or rejecting him, following him or not following him, having a relationship or not. He's a miracle-working God. He's a God of mercy, of grace, of protection and provision. And he's a detail-oriented God. And he wants a personal relationship, not a religion. So just reflect on the differences in knowing about God and knowing God intimately and accepting his son jesus christ two final scriptures and i'm going to close in prayer john 3 3 says jesus declared i tell you the truth no one can see the kingdom of god unless he is born again romans 109 to 10 that if you confess with your mouth jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved My closing prayer is in two parts. The first part are for those of you who may be here today that do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and might want to make that decision. The second part are for those of you who do know Him as your Lord, but don't have a close personal relationship with Him. So I just ask that you would close your eyes or bow your head. Father God, we just thank you for this glorious day. Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my heart and receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Lord, I turn over and surrender my life to you. Make me the kind of person that you want me to be. In Jesus' name I pray. And now the second part. Father God, I know I have wandered from you. My relationship with you is distant. I ask for a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit in me. I recommit my life to you, Lord. Stir my heart and desire for a deeper, more meaningful, personal relationship with you. Help me every day to renew my mind and to be a person, be the person that you want me to be, Lord. And we pray all these things in the blessed name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, and uh, thank each and every one of you. Thank you for listening to this edition of Faith at Work. We hope you enjoyed it. I'm Carl Grant please follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash faith at work radio. And for more information on the high tech prayer breakfast, please visit www.hightechprayerbreakfast.org. You've been listening to faith at work with Carl Grant.